Good morning, church. I hope you're all doing well. Amen. Are you enjoying the snow? <laughs> I know I know it's been a snowy week and a cold week as well, but uh, God has been good. We are here. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Um, go with me to John chapter 19. We are looking at verses 5 to 16. Today is our 86th installment of our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And today I'm ministering under the sub-theme, An Unfair Trial. An Unfair Trial. So John 19, verse 5 to 16, we read, Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priest and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We are the law, and according to our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse 10. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you know that I have power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all. See, those two words are very important at all against me, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place called the pavements, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. You know, I find something amazing. If you read, you know, like I always keep on saying, when you are reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John always try to read all the similar narratives so that you can get a fuller picture. When you read Mark chapter 15, the same story is there. Matthew 20, 27, the same story is there. And then Luke 2, Luke 20, 20, 21, you see the same story there. But in Mark 15, Mark 15 says the third hour. John is saying the sixth hour. So sometimes it's like, it's a bit difficult. How do you reconcile? these two. One is saying it was the third hour, the other is saying it's the sixth hour. I just find that fascinating. Amen. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Amen. Very interesting story. Um, an unfair trial. You know, Pilate, who was the governor, he is in charge of 
trials, you know, but he didn't want to execute his office and his task. Uh, nobody wanted to take responsibility. You see that everybody keeps um, shucking away responsibility because of the Passover. You know, the Jews, like I keep on telling you, they were very superstitious. When it comes to certain festivals, they always want to put on their best by, you know, upholding to certain tenets and certain qualities. And nobody wants that blood on their hand. So they keep on pushing it to um, pilots. And this story, it starts from, you know, when we read John 19, verse 1 to 4, we talked about it last week, when Jesus, his head was pierced with the crown of thorns, the twisted crown of thorns, and he was worn a purple robe just to make mockery acts, you know. They, they, you know they, were making, they were making fun of Jesus, you are king, bloody bruised. That's why they gave him a crown of thorns. And they were also mocking at the Jews who were in expectation of a savior who will come as a king. So they were also making mockery at the Jews. So now, during the time Jesus is standing in the audience, probably very weak, uh, very disfigured. If you read Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible says that he was beaten so much that he lost the appearance of a human. Have you seen that before? To be beaten so much that you lose the appearance of a human. He had no human appearance. That was how bad his beating was. So probably at this stage, very weak. He's lost a lot of blood. And they are deliberating. The Bible says that when the chief priest and officer saw him, in that state, they still wanted him to be crucified. Chief priest pastors and then officers of the land. They were still saying, crucify him. We don't, we don't care whether his back is looking like raw hamburger meat. Crucify him. And Pilate said to the Jews, I, I think Pilate was very surprised. Like, wow, I've never seen Jew kinfolk hate one who is of Jewish stock or Jewish descendancy because Mind you, Pilate is a Roman. Pilate is not a Jew. Pilate is a Roman who lives in the Jewish territory. And for him to see that much hatred spew against one man, I'm sure it must have really bothered him a bit. Like, what is really the history? And when Pilate said, oh, look, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault. You take him and crucify him. They told the Jews, since you want him to be crucified, you take him and crucify him. But on my watch, under my jurisdiction, as the governor, I don't see any fault with him. And then the Jews then made up a, a story. Like, we have a law. And according to our law, he has to die because he made himself the son of God. And the law that the Jews were referring to is in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16. The, the, um, one of the laws Moses gave is that if a man is found blaspheming, if you are caught in the act of blasphemy, and in, in, uh, to the Jewish, blasphemy is to say you are the son of God. But nobody can call himself the son of God. It's okay if you say you are a prophet. It's okay if you say you are a teacher. It's okay if you say you are a priest. 
But to equate yourself with God, that is blasphemy. That's what the Jewish people see as blasphemy. And the sentence to that is, you are stoned to death, not crucifixion. You are not crucified. You are stoned to death. So these Jewish people, too, they were also a bit disingenuous because they also didn't quote it correctly. So if Jesus is truly guilty of blasphemy, why do you want to crucify him? You can stone him. But thanks be to God that he was crucified because it was important for him to be crucified because the Bible says that cursed is any man that hangs on a tree. And like I say, when Jesus died on the cross, it was a great exchange on our behalf. That is why we are experiencing seasons, eras of triumph because every gory and, and bloody situation that Jesus went through, it was an exchange at his expense and also at our expense. Amen. So when Pilate had this saying, the Bible said that he was more afraid. And, you know, the Praetorium, like I told you the last time, it's the official residence. He probably took Jesus in and he asked Jesus, where are you from? And the Bible lets us know that Jesus didn't answer. But before Jesus kept mute, Pilate said something interesting. That, do you know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Well, if you read the story carefully, you realize that Pilate was a coward. So he really didn't have power to release Christ. And he didn't really have power to uh, crucify him. Because if you read the other accounts, that's what I'm saying, that sometimes you have to read all the other accounts, Matthew's accounts, Mark, Luke, you will see the cowardice of Pilate. He didn't have the internal fortitude to make a right decision as the governor. Amen. And Jesus answered and he said, you, you, you don't have any power over me at all. The reason why I'm here, the reason why I'm bloody, the reason why I'm bruised is not because I'm weak and it's not because you people are powerful. You have no power over me at all unless it has been given to you from above. And mind you, when you are a governor, you have the power of the emperor. You know, Pilate's boss is Caesar. It's just like um, the consulate. Let's say the British consulate of, uh, here in America. The, their boss is the king. They receive their orders from the king. So it's similar to something like that. Pilate received his authority and the power by which he is able to rule and function from Caesar. So he did have power. But Jesus is saying that you don't have power. It won't take Caesar's power for you to crucify me. It will take power from above, not Caesar. Because Pilate was a very powerful man. In the whole of Israel, he was the most feared man. Mind you, the Jewish people, they were under Roman captivity. And the one who is the representative of the Roman Empire is Pilate. He had a lot of power. And he exercised his power. But Jesus looked at him, not intimidated. And legend has it that when people stand in front of Pilate, they used to shake a lot. 
They used to say because you, you, you don't pay pilots a social visit. When you, when, when you see pilots, he is just about to determine your fate, dead or alive. That's the only time you even have that interaction with pilots. You don't, you don't have an interaction with pilots to say hello to pilots. No. Whenever you come to pilots, it is a matter of judgment. A case has been brought before you, a charge has been levied uh, against you, and pilot has to be the deciding factor. That's the only time you will ever have an opportunity to even be uh, of close proximity to pilots. And Jesus looked at him. Jesus was bloody, bruised, weak, probably even almost half dead. And he looked at him and he mastered the little strength he had in his voice. And he said that you don't have power at all against me that power that you have from the roman empire that power that has been vested in you to have that authority over the jewish people from caesar you don't have that power over me to crucify me except it has been given to you from above and jesus said something to pilate you have sinned but the one who delivered me to you he has the greater sin. And that's all that Jesus said. And I, I think Pilate became very convicted. I think he had a moment of his conscience being pricked. Because the Bible says that from that time, he decided that he wanted to release Christ. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. In fact, one, one of the scholars in the book of John, you know, like they have people who study books of the Bible. One of the scholars is called John Boyce Montgomery. And he's done a lot of research into this. And he said that the reason why the Jewish people decided to say this was because Pilate had married Caesar's daughter. So they use that relationship as a card against Pilate. So as of that time, when Jesus was in front of Pilate, Pilate had married Caesar's daughter. So Pilate was Caesar's son-in-law. Are you getting it? And now the Jews knowing this are like, if you don't crucify this man, you are not Caesar's friend. And Caesar was very powerful. During that time, Caesar was, you know, the, the world leader. It wasn't no more Babylon. Under the Old Testament, Babylon was a powerful nation. But during the 400 silent year period, between Malachi and Matthew, rose the ascent of the Roman. The Roman Empire had become very powerful and very fierce. And it was not easy to get to Caesar. And when people are that powerful and that high and mighty, Sometimes you want to name drop and, and, and find yourself being associated with them. And, and such is everybody of, 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 you know, significance. Anybody who wants to have some sort of relevance, they always want to name drop and be associated with people. And, and, Pilate, and, and, and Caesar is someone you will want to associate with. Emperor of the Roman Empire, The empire that is the strongest of all, the world's number one, 
I am his friend. So they used that against him. And, and Pilate couldn't stand. And what Pilate decided to do was that he took him to the place where he normally judges people. When they are about to judge you of your crimes, of anything, that, that will be brought before the governor. They will take you to a place called Gabatha. And it's normally said it's a stone chair, very high, and then you are low, and then he will pronounce a sentence. And, and nine times out of ten, you might be pronounced a death sentence. Nine times out of ten. It's not very likely you will, you will be granted freedom if you ever come to that place. So they took Jesus there to sentence him. And what made Pilate do that? Go with me to Matthew chapter 27. Let's start from verse 15. Because, you see, all these um, um, blocks are taken out of the John story. So these are sort of like the filling gaps. This is what will fill in the gaps of the story. So Matthew chapter 27. For us to understand, let's just start from verse 15. Now, at the feast, the governor, that's Pilate, was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Because like I told you last week or last two weeks, whenever there was Passover, they always granted clemency. You see, clemency is not an American term. Clemency started here. They always granted clemency to one prisoner. You know, sort of to appease their conscience. Whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner, Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? So you see, when you read John chapter 9, you don't see all this story in there. That's why I'm saying that it's always good to read all the witnesses in the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so that you can sort of flesh the event together to get a fuller meaning and a fuller picture of what is happening. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? So Barabbas is a notorious prisoner. Jesus falsely accused. And when they brought these people before Passover, the Bible lets us know, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. So you see why Jesus suffered, why he was whipped, why he was bruised, why he was bloody, why he had to go through all that torture was because of envy. Envy is a very powerful thing. Envy might start very small, harmless, but it's a very powerful thing. And human beings, we tend to be envious. Never allow yourself to get to the place of being envious. Overcome the spirit of envy. It is not Christ-like. You can't call yourself a Christian and you partake in the sin of envy. Envy is bloody. Amen. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife. So you see that Matthew said his wife. You see, John did not say anything about wife. So the wife here is Caesar's daughter. Are you understanding me? 
So his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. So he said that that is not in the John story. So Pilate's wife did not even want Jesus to be dealt with by the husband. Because the wife is saying that I've had a lot of nightmares in my sleep because of this man, Jesus Christ. It's not every case that you deal with. It's not every blood that you shed. It's not every mouth that you condemn or you put to sentence. This man is guiltless. I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But... This is, the, this is the, 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 the thing here. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So when you read John chapter 19, you can see that Pilate had a pricked conscience. But politicians will always be politicians. They are swayed and moved by the masses. You see, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes who had gathered there that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, the governor, which is Pilate, said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor, which is Pilate, said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. You see, these people were envious. These people, you see, wherever there is envy, there is hate. They operate together. Wherever there is envy, there is hatred. Wherever there is hatred, there is envy. One will not function without the other. Pilate said, what has this man done? They just said, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather there was a tumult, it was like a stampede was about to break out. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of the just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had sketched Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now back to John 19. So now, what made Pilate decide to release Jesus? It's because of the pressure of the people. So Pilate was not really true to his word. Pilate said that I am a man that has power. I have power to crucify you and I have power to release you. But truly, he didn't have power because he was swayed by the masses. He was swayed by the opinion of the, the, the crowd. He was swayed by what was the popular vote. A stampede was about to break out. And because of that, for him to save face, and, and for him not to be taunted by the Jews as you are not a friend of Caesar, he took this decision that let Christ be crucified. This is the only reason why. And he, he presented the Jews and he says, behold your king. And the, and the Jews re responded 
away with Christ, crucify him. Pilate then asked the question, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. You see, during Jesus' trial, it unveiled a lot of hypocrisy. The Jewish people never saw their king as Caesar. Never. The Jewish people couldn't stand Caesar. The Jewish people, as a matter of fact, didn't even like Pilate. And one of the reasons why the Jewish people did not like the Romans was because they were paying tax four times more. So let's say your, your tax is 1%. Under Roman uh, Empire, your tax is 4%. Who is going to like you? Do you know one of the things to, to, to do against people that will turn people against you is to raise taxes? So if you are paying 20% tax, and then if the Roman Empire decides that it's times four, you pay 80%. So the Jews did not like the Romans. Because all their work that they do, it goes into taxes. The Jews under the Roman Empire were very impoverished. And to make matters worse, the, the tax collectors were not Romans. The tax collectors were Jewish people. So it, during the time of the Jews and in Jesus' day, people that were hated the most and that were put in the same bracket as sinners were tax collectors. The average Jew believes that a tax collector, there is a hot part of hell waiting for him. That he, is just, he is just as guilty as any sinner. That's why when you read Luke chapter 15, the Bible lets us know that the sinners and the tax collectors came to him. You know, I, when I read, I always find that funny. I'm like, why doesn't the Bible say then the sinners came to Christ? But why does it have to make a differentiation between sinners and tax collectors? Tax collectors were hated. And because of that, no Jew will ever want to affiliate with the Roman Empire. And for that reason, affiliate with Caesar. But for them, because of envy that has filled their hearts, because of hatred and jealousy that has filled their hearts, they said, oh, we pay obeisance to Caesar. Caesar is our king. Kill this man. But they never liked Caesar. And the Bible lets us know they delivered Christ to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. You see, Pilate washed his hands, but truly he didn't wash his hands. Pilate washed his hands, but truly he didn't wash. You, you can't wash your hands. The reason why you can't wash your hands of this is because you are the governor. That is your job. It's part of your jurisdiction. Your job is to sentence or your job is to bring bail. But he denied them justice. It was an unfair trial. Jesus had to die on the cross like a criminal, not because he was a criminal. He was faultless. He was guiltless. Pilate's wife could even attest to that. Yet he had to die. Now, do you know why Christ had to die? Do you know why he had to subject himself to an unfair trial? Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. 
Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read this in a different version. NLT, the New Living Translation. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush Christ. Oh, Christ was crushed. Christ was not only crushed when he was on the cross. He was crushed when he was the victim of an unfair trial. He was crushed when creature that he created slapped him. He was crushed when soldiers will spit at him. And these soldiers don't know that it is because of them that is why he came. He was crushed when one of his disciples betrayed him. And he told Pilate, you have sinned. But the one who delivered you to me was the greater sin. He was crushed. It cost him grief. The Bible says that, but it was the Lord's good plan. It was God's, God saw it as a good plan to crush his son, to grieve him. Why? So that his life will be made an offering for sin. It was God's good plan. It was God's good plan for Jesus to be at the mercy of an unfair trial. So that he could be an offering for sin. So that today as we sit here in 2024, the sins of this whole world has been paid for. The sins of this whole world has been atoned through one man, Jesus Christ. That is why as Christians, we have a message called good news. Why is it good news? Because we can go about preaching to people and let them know that Christ has paid for the sins of this world by dying on the cross, believe in him and receive him as your Lord and personal Savior for the forgiveness of your sins. For the forgiveness of your sins. It doesn't matter. The Bible said that though your sins will be as scarlet, the, God will wash it as white as snow. And he has indeed washed our sins, which were like scarlet with the blood of Christ. Jesus had to go through all these things. He was limping. He was beaten beyond human recognition. He lost the appearance of a human form because of the torture. Why? Because God made his son's life as an offering for sin. Why? So that through that, he will have many descendants. And who are the many descendants? You and me. All of us are descendants. All of us are sons. All of us are children of God. That had to That is why it was God's good plan. But it had to come through a very dark, a very grim, a very unfortunate episode, which included an unfair trial by a gutless governor. Why? So that, one, 
the offering of our sins are atoned for, the offering of our sins are remitted, the offering of our sins are paid for, and that many descendants, Christ. That is why in the New Testament, he is called the firstborn among many brethren. We are all part of the brethren. But this was the way it had to go through so that I can be a Christian. You can be a Christian. And then you can preach this ministry or this gospel of reconciliation to other people. And when other people receive Christ, we are having more descendants. It was the Lord's good plan. It was the Lord's good plan. This is the reason why. So as you think of this story, and as unfair as Christ's trial might be, it was the Lord's good plan. But I was at Christ's expense because it cost him grief. It cost him hurt. It cost him pain. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that Jesus, he, he looked to the cross forsaking the shame just seeing the glory that was ahead. And the glory is that our sins are forgiven because Christ became the final offering for our sins. And because our sins have been taken care of, all of us are qualified to be called descendants of Christ. An unfair trial Maybe you love Jesus and hearing the narration of this story might make your blood boil. But hold it. It's the Lord's good plan. Because that is why we are here in the first place. We are here in the first place because the sin that brought a chasm between us and God has been abridged because an offering has been made for our sin through Christ. And because of that, many descendants. I'm glad that I am part of the descendancy of Christ because my sins have been paid for. So see love in this story. I want you to see a great picture of love in this story. Jesus humiliating himself, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the Father's mission so that we could become Christians. And when we become Christians, look at the chain of events that take place. We've, we've moved out of darkness into light. We've moved out from death into resurrection. We have moved from curse to blessing. We have moved from sickness into health. We have moved from poverty into prosperity. We have moved from war into peace. We have moved from experiencing the wrath of God to being forgiven and being redeemed. Look at the chain of events that takes place when we say we are believers part of the descendancy of Christ. But mind you, 
it came at a very painful one. Christ had to endure unfair trial so that you and I could enjoy this freedom and this peace. Thank you, Lord. May we understand the magnitude of your love. It's very reckless. It's never ending. I didn't deserve this love, but still you give yourself away. Thank you, Lord. I give you peace. Thank you. There's a story old that has often Thank you, Lord. Of how our Savior died As they nailed his hands He cried they don't understand As the blood flowed from his side How can you At least, most of you here know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Some don't know him. And by the words of the songwriter, we can't refuse him. 
because it, it came at a great cost. He had tears in his eyes, heartbroken. He died on the cross, became an offering for sin so that all of us could be part of the family and the lineage of Christ. We can't refuse him. Someone needs to hear the gospel that Christ came on this earth, endured an unfair trial because he thought of you and me. He thought of our sins. He thought of our future. He thought of our destiny. He thought of it. This love is reckless. It's never ending. We don't deserve it. But still, he gave himself away. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.